I do think that most of them will, will eventually be, you know, NFT based and not so much because when you said bear market, I assume because people assume, oh, it's an investment thing. It's like, no, I don't think the interesting point about these membership NFTs is the fact that they appreciate in value because I, again, I, I think most of them won't. It's just convenience in the end. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. NFTs for creators. What should you know? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. So I've spent a lot of time thinking about the future of content publishing online. That's perhaps because I run a couple of different content websites, including Become a Writer Today. Right now, when you run a content website, you have to understand a couple of strategies if you want to build an audience. So if, for example, you're focused on attracting traffic from Google, you need to figure out uh, search engine optimization. Alternatively, if you're looking for traffic from Facebook, you need to understand social media marketing and paid advertising. And if you want to build a relationship with your audience, you also need a way of connecting with them over email. Now, the problem with some of those methods is you're not always in control of that relationship between you and your audience. So if, for example, you have a series of articles that are ranking highly in Google, Google can release an algorithm update and then the traffic for your content website can fluctuate or even drop. And in fact, I know many creators who run content publishing businesses who've seen their uh, sites plummet in traffic and in value after a Google algorithm update. In other words, you're at the mercy of uh, Google for how your website is going to perform over time. Similarly, years ago, you could publish lots of different articles and content on Facebook and expect thousands of visitors to your sites and your articles and go viral and go famous online. That's all but impossible today unless you're prepared to build up a platform natively on Facebook and on other social media platforms and invest in paid advertising. Similarly, if you spend time on Twitter posting links to your articles, chances are nobody's going to click on them because Twitter likes to keep you on their platform because that's how they earn their dollars. So in other words, as a content creator, you have to play within the walled garden of whatever platform you're using, be it Google for search engine optimization, Facebook, Twitter, and yes, even Amazon if you're self-publishing books. Because as many authors will attest these days, it's impossible to sell self-published books unless you're paying for advertising. Now, Web 3.0 could change all of that. One way that you can own a relationship directly with your audience, readers, and fans is through the creation of a non-fungible token or NFT. It's a space that's fascinated me over the past 12 months or so. And yes, I know it has many critics uh, from creators. For example, NFTs are expensive, they're scammy, they're difficult, some of them are plain ridiculous, and there are environmental considerations too. That said, a lot of these issues with NFTs will get ironed out over time. It's kind of like when we all connected to the internet, or at least those of us who are over 40 like me, connected to the internet in the 1990s with a dial-up modem. This week's guest may help you understand how creators can use NFTs in the future. His name is Julian Genestou, and he's the founder of Unlock Protocol. Even if you're not quite ready to create your first NFT or even to purchase an NFT, it's worth figuring out what this technology can do because I guarantee in a few years time, we will use NFTs in some way on the online platforms that we take for granted. So I hope you enjoy this future thinking interview with Julian. If you do, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store. And you can, of course, share the show with another writer or another friend because those reviews, ratings and stars really help to become a writer today podcast grow. Welcome to the show, Julian. Thanks for having me, Brian. I'm excited to be here today. Thanks for welcoming me. I'm always interested in new ways creators can earn a living online and in what direction 
earning a living online is going, which is what I wanted to talk to you about today because you have a pretty exciting company that's working in that space. But before we do that, could you give listeners a flavor for who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So first of all, I'm I'm a software engineer. I'm French. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I've been here for about six years after I sold my previous company to Medium, the publishing platform that I think a lot of you might know. I'm a big fan of the idea of the open web. I, I call that our collective brain. It's a way that we human beings basically collaborate on a daily basis. One thing that I've realized, obviously, is that one of the business models, or maybe the number one business model that is being used on the web attention is detrimental for a lot of reasons. And that's why I'm excited to work on something called memberships. And we'll talk about this in a couple of seconds, I'm sure. So what is Unlock Protocol, your company? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a protocol for memberships. It's an easy way for creators, you know, writers, podcasters, software developers, but also organization, brands, companies to deploy what I call a membership contract, an easy way for them to set a price, a duration, and then sell memberships to their fan, to their community as a way to support their work, but also allow them to maybe access some of the content that they produce, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a protocol because it's not a platform. It's not something that users have to go to and, and the platform act as an intermediate and has to determine how much people are selling, what kind of content they're selling. It is really about moving back to the initial idea of the web, which is basically protocol in a kind of a peer-to-peer way where nobody can um, sit in between creator and their fans. When did you say you set up Unlock Protocol? Yeah, about four years ago now, uh, in late 2018. Okay, and what types of things are creators doing with Unlock Protocol today? Yeah, very different things. So we actually have people doing podcasts, which is kind of a, a cool use case where they have basically, you know, free episodes that everybody can listen to and then episodes that are members only. And the way these episodes works is basically you connect to the website and you prove that you own a membership card. It's an NFT. We'll talk about this in a, in a couple of seconds. And if you do, then you're able to listen to the content. We have people using Unlock for tickets to conferences. It's kind of a weird way to think of this. But if you think about a conference, the tickets are membership cards for the conference even if it's just a conference happening once. And we have people using Unlock for media sites like paywalls or you know blogs that are monetized where some of the content is public and the rest of the content might be private. We have all kinds of DAOs, people doing membership that allow them to participate into decision-making for a group of people online. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to an NFT conference in a few weeks and they've distributed a ticket as an NFT. I, I guess with being an NFT conference, it would make sense, but it, it struck me as quite a clever way to do ticketing. Yes. Uh, what, what's really interesting about NFT ticketing, I mean, yet it's like another ticket in some ways, but it's also something that exists outside of an email. Usually a ticket is an email attachment, it's a QR code in, in, in an email. Here it's an on-chain element. It's, a, it's an NFT, as you said, which means that I can use it to authenticate and log in on websites. And so you can imagine a scenario where, hey, you got a ticket for that conference. You can actually go watch maybe after the conference, the, the replays of the recording that they've done, or you can join another conference because you went to the first one. So really, it's the idea of making the ticket programmable in that scenario. So if I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, but I can do this with a web 2.0 tool like Patreon or Kickstarter or some other piece of software. What, like, what's the advantage to me for using a web 3.0 tool? Yeah, so you can do something like that with Patreon and Kickstarter, but not quite, because it means that your membership relationship, your relationship with your members is stuck on Patreon. If I'm paying for your content on Patreon, it's through Patreon. If you decide to leave Patreon, then you're going to lose me as a, as a fan, as a member, because that relationship is mediated, if you want, by Patreon. You mentioned Patreon, but Facebook is another example of this. If you have a Facebook page that I like, well, any interaction that we have has to go through Facebook. Really, our focus is to say, no, 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 it shouldn't be limited to platform. It should be something that is kind of cross-platforms. And if this is NFT-based, well, maybe you move to you know Twitch at some point. And if Twitch allows me to connect my wallet, they can identify that I'm a member. 
um, even though I got my membership initially from Patreon in that in, in that example. Okay, okay. Is it quite technical to get started with something like this? I, it's it's early days, obviously, in the ecosystem, so it's I'd say more technical than a lot of the things that we've got used over the last twenty years. But it's also not that complicated if you have your own crypto wallet. Uh, you can fairly easily connect it to the website. There are many, many websites support this. And then the website will then verify whether you own valid membership NFT and move on. What we are focusing on at this point is helping developers create integrations into existing platforms and softwares. A good example of this is there's a WordPress plugin, for example, that makes it really easy for anyone who publishes content on WordPress to have this membership token gating uh, aspect where they require users to connect their wallet. And if the user has the right membership in the wallet, they will serve you know, the full version of the post or the full version of the, the, pod, the podcast episode. So I run a couple of WordPress websites and I use various forms of membership Yep, and have an email list and so on. So if I, if I were to set something like this up for one of my sites, could, like, do I need to hire a developer? Could you, could you walk me through what I'd need to do? Yeah, you would need to install the plugin, which is not that complicated. I mean, it's like any other WordPress plugin. You would need to also deploy the smart contract. Uh, we provide a little dashboard for you to do that easily. So I don't think you need to hire a developer, but it's also first thing you're going to do this is going to feel a bit different from what you've done so far. So it's it's not difficult. It's just a new thing. That smart contract that you mentioned deploying, is that something that I have to come up with or does the plugin and on the unlock protocol provide that? So the plugin provides you a link to a dashboard where you can actually deploy the contract. And again, not complicated, but if it's the first time doing it, it's going to feel a bit awkward. Hmm. So it sounds like I, I don't need to be a coder or a developer, but I, I just I need to understand how to, to manage a WordPress site. That would be enough. Exactly right. In that scenario, you don't need to be a developer. You don't need to be a coder. You don't need to be, you know, to know code. You need to be able to tinker with your WordPress installation. If you know how to install a plugin, you, you'll be good. Interesting, interesting. So another use case that stood out to me when I was looking at your your page is membership NFTs. So I've experimented with various membership platforms like Teachable and so on um, for uh, courses, as many people who have online businesses do. So how does that work for a membership NFT? So same, I mean, the, the, the WordPress example that I described is a membership NFT. It's a membership to a special contract that is your contract. You can imagine a Teachable-like site that actually have the same mechanism where if you want to unlock a course, you would need to prove that you own a special NFT that gives you access to this. And these membership cards, if you want, and I was alluding to this earlier, are all non-fungible tokens. They're all NFTs. And, and what's interesting about that is they become much more programmable if they're just rows in a, in a private database on some server somewhere. So uh, am I as the creator as the host of the membership program or the podcast or the WordPress site getting paid in Ethereum? Uh, so it depends on where you deploy your lock and lock is the name of the smart contract, the, contra the membership contract. So you choose the currency and you choose where you deploy it. So if you deploy it on Ethereum mainnet, yes, you're going to you couldn't choose to be paid in Ethereum, but we're also on five other networks. So Polygon, which might be familiar to some people, Gnosis Chain, Binance Chain, Optimism. And each of these, you can choose to be paid in the native currency of the blockchain, which is Ethereum, or for example, a stable coin. And that's actually what we're starting to see a lot of people do being paid in USDC because they don't want to want to have kind of fluctuating revenue based on the on the fluctuation of the markets. Mm, good idea. Good idea. And do you find that creators and people using unlock protocol are concerned about additional costs, like for example, gas fees? So if they go on mainnet, yes, absolutely, because that's where gas is expensive with your mainnet. But at this, most of the ones that are being deployed now are not deployed on Ethereum mainnet. They're deployed on Polygon on Gnosis chain. And there the gas fees are sub-cent. So in practice, it doesn't really matter in terms of extra costs uh, to deploy the membership or to purchase uh, a membership card. So Web 2.0 online businesses, you often give away something for free. Could be an ebook, could be a guide, could be a discount on one of your courses. Whereas in Web 3.0, it seems to be more uh, airdrops, which is giving away a free NFT 
to the wallets of holders. Is that something that's hard to do? No, it's actually pretty easy to do. We On the dashboard that I mentioned earlier, we have an interface that allows you to easily put some users' addresses, Ethereum addresses or wallet addresses, so that you can then airdrop a membership to them. What's really cool about that airdrop mechanism is that you can airdrop kind of a preview, so a membership for a day, a membership for a week, and then people have to extend or top up to pay for the rest of the month or the rest of the year in that scenario. One thing that I do on my blog, which is, I think, pretty fun, is I tell anyone who follows me on Twitter that if they can connect their Twitter account and can verify that they do follow me, by software, then I airdrop to them, I think an hour worth of membership, which gives them enough time to read maybe one of my articles and get familiar with the kind of stuff that I write. Oh, interesting. And, and can somebody send, sell that NFT themselves on OpenSea or another NFT marketplace? So not the one that we are dropped for free, but the one that they paid, yes, absolutely. They become basically assets and they can just uh, sell them to somebody else. Arguably, though, since they have an expiration date, they're not worth as much if you're halfway through the membership than if they're from the beginning of the membership. Let's say you have a gym membership for a year. If you sell it after six months, it's unlikely that you'll be able to sell it for the full price of the year um, in that scenario. Okay, okay. And do I earn a percentage of secondary sales? As a lock creator, you mean? Yeah. Yes, so you could. It's one of the settings that you can set on the on the smart contract. Say, hey, I want to be able to monetize the secondary sale if I... And you can do that. You can also disable transfers if you don't want them to be possible. We also have the concept of cancellation. So you can cancel the membership. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you think about memberships, but you can cancel the membership, which in practice means kind of burning the NFT and you get a, a refund, a prorated refund based on how much time has you know uh, elapsed since you got that membership. So that's the, the holder of the NFT gets the refund, is that right? Okay. Yes, absolutely right. And same, you can decide how much they get a refund or if they do get a refund at all as the creator, you can customize all of these things. Okay. As the creator, the other thing I'd need to do is come up with something that visually represents the NFT. What are users of your protocol doing? Uh, so you don't need to, you can, but you don't need to. It's optional. We provide a default kind of little you know, uh, UI that's a, a little circle that says, I mean, unlock. And there's a name called the membership. You pick up the name. So the thing you actually do actually as a creator is pick up a name, pick up a price, pick up a chain on which you want to deploy it. These are stuff that you have to do in a duration. The, the rest, we provide some defaults, like the cancellation, we provide a, a default saying, hey, there's a 10% cancellation penalty, and then it's prorated. Uh, the transfers, we actually don't have a, a default charge on transfer. So these are defaults that you can then later change, including the visual aspect. We have seen, and to ask you a question about like what people do, they do a lot of different things. Some, some of them upload uh, nice images to IPFS, which is this five storage protocol, and then they render from there good looking things. Some other people make every single membership card look different, which is a lot more work, but it's also possible. We even have people that make them dynamic, where they change their visual aspect based on who owns the NFT. So think of like you have a membership card in your wallet that is changes its aspect, its uh, visual aspect based on what time of the day is or what other memberships you have in your wallet, etc., etc. Mm. Oh, that's good. I like the idea of like a dynamic NFT that changes. So to flip things around, let's say I figured out how to do all this and I've installed the WordPress plugin. I'm ready to create a membership section of my site using NFTs and I'm going to experiment with this and see does this work. Now, how do I go about convincing and reassuring followers or subscribers or, or, or potential customers to purchase this NFT? Yeah, so there's, I mean, first, if they don't have a crypto wallet, if they've never used it before, we provide an easy credit card gateway. So if they don't have a crypto wallet and they've never used it, the UI on the checkout, sorry, on the checkout flow might just be, okay, cool, pay your card, put your card number, like you would do on any normal site, and they create an account, email, password, and then they actually get an NFT attached. 
to that account that they have. So it would work completely seamlessly for these people as well. For the people that have a crypto wallet, I mean, if you need to convince them, you would have to tell them like it's pretty lower friction. They actually don't have to do, you know, create accounts and put all of that information uh, upfront, which usually you have to do online. And one of the thing, critical benefits here is the idea that you can tell them, hey, okay, I'm publishing on WordPress now, but maybe next month I'm going to do a live stream using a platform like Beam. Uh, and they do support token gating. And only the people that have my membership NFT in their wallet will be able to watch my live stream. So it really, again, is the idea that the cross-platform membership is, is the really powerful thing. You don't actually have to have a single platform that intermediates all of your relationship with your fans and your members. So I could basically, I can use something like a MetaMask wallet if I'm a little bit comfortable with Web 3.0 tools. But if I'm not, I can just put in my details and I'll just see the ticket there in the platform. Email, password, and absolutely right. Yes. Okay, okay. So I suppose to step back and go a little bit higher level, do you think a lot of membership programs are going to move in to this NFT model uh, in the future? And, and if so, how long is it going to take? And the reason I ask that, uh, Julian, is right now NFTs are like most crypto are in a bear market, so there's a lot of skeptics out there. Yeah, I do think that most of them will, will eventually be you know, NFT-based. And not so much because when you said bear market, I assume because people assume, oh, it's an investment thing. It's like, no, I don't think the interesting point about these membership NFTs is the fact that they appreciate in value because, I, again, I, I think most of them won't. It's just convenience in the end. It's like that identity that you own versus is owned by Google or Facebook, and that allows you to kind of authenticate on websites. And then prove that you need to be able to access this. In, in the end, is so much more convenient than the the, the status quo of, of going to Google and Facebook and having them own kind of the relationship with you and your between you and your fans. So my my conviction is that we're eventually many many of these memberships are going to be NFT based. We're actually having discussion with large social media, with small indie creators, but also with large publishers, and it's pretty clear to me that the technology is going into that direction and that everybody's going to use that. Now, whether it's like two years, five years, 10 years, I, I don't know. It depends on a lot of different factors. I do think that it might actually happen faster than what we realize because these wallets are going everywhere. I think PayPal announced yesterday that they now have a, a fully blown crypto wallet inside of their PayPal application. So you go to a website, you connect through your phone probably via scanning a QR code and you can easily prove that you own the NFT or purchase the NFT from the PayPal app. If you have it, then you keep accessing the content. One of the deep conviction that I have is like paywalls, you know, on media sites are extremely frictionful right now. You have to create accounts, you have to log in every time and then pay and you don't really know what you pay for. And then if you allow them to charge your card, they're going to charge it a you know, hundred times over the next uh, six months. In practice, having a crypto wallet provides a much better experience. You don't have to create an account, you just connect. They see you have the membership. They give you access. You don't have the membership. You can easily purchase, you know, a one-off, a day or long, a week or whatever that is, and then uh, move on with your life without being too worried, too worried about the rest. So my deep, deep conviction is like it's same as in two thousand two. You might ask, is every business going to have a website? It feels like it's a lot of work and it's not necessarily additive. Practice twenty years in, every business has a website, um, and so that's that's my conviction. Mm. When you get into the NFT space, or even if you read about it, it seems very scammy. Uh, so you get a lot of direct messages as soon as you start talking about it. You read lots of news stories about people losing JPEGs worth tens of thousands of dollars. So so could I feel reassured using this type of protocol as a creator and also as a customer? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a ton of things that we do already to make these safer. Again, the number one thing that makes them safer is the fact that they're pretty not good speculation objects. A gym membership is not something that you really want to steal from somebody else unless you really plan on going to the gym instead uh, in their place, which again, might be a thing. One of the things that we do actually is making stuff a bit safer by allowing people to, members, should I say, to own an NFT, but 
also allow the manager of the NFT contract to the creator in that scenario to transfer it on their behalf to somebody else or to someone else or to some other address that they own. So say you use MetaMask at some point, you lose your access to your MetaMask, you can easily, I mean, as the creator of the lock, transfer the membership from one wallet to another one. Say, okay, cool, I knew you've lost it. I can reassign it to, 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 to some other wallet of yours in that scenario, making it much easier and safer and actually fairly similar to how Web2 works at this point. Like if you've lost access to your email, you can probably transfer your Netflix account. I've never done this, but I assume this is possible. Mm. Yeah, so you've used some terminology and words that, that kind of demonstrate that there is still some technical hurdles to navigate Web3.0. So for example, you have to understand what a smart contract is, figure out how to set up your MetaMask wallet, keep your seed phrase safe, and figure out the type of chain that you want to use and so on. So is it, are we going to get to a point in a few years where we won't have to worry so much about all of the, the technical standards and concepts behind NFTs? Absolutely. I don't know how old you are, but we're pretty kind of the same generation. The first time I connected to the internet was the mid-90s. My mom at the time had a, a computer, not in a basement, but could have been a basement. It was uh, We didn't have a basement. When we connected to the internet, we had to go buy a modem. So we had to go to a shop, buy a modem. Oh, I had to buy a modem too, so we're the same age. <laughs> Dial up modem. <laughs> yeah. And so things like trying to think, okay, 56K modem? Like what was this? Like Yeah, I had one of those. <laughs> then you'd plug into your computer, you'd have to find what is the right place to plug in because the computer has so many ports so you have to find where to plug it and then you plug it in the phone line which is kind of like already starting to get really really weird like why am i plugging my computer in my phone line then you have to like do some settings on the computer and it was doing this weird noise like you probably remember that right like and then you weren't connected but anytime my mom would pick up the phone either because somebody calls or because she's calling someone it would just take everything down which kind of is a pain we had to then download a web browser nobody knew what a web browser like what i'm trying to say is like this massive friction we went through through this and now i mean we're literally recording a podcast on two different continents in real time and i see you as clearly as i can see the, the rest of the room here it's pretty obvious that even though there's friction now and it's hard we're exactly in the same kind of situation that we were 25 years ago with web one or web two people are learning very very fast the fact is a lot of the things that we think are strange with web three today kind of installing a wallet whether it's metamask or another one the seed phrase thing i think it's going to evolve as well changing network is going to change as well like it's going to become easier and easier all of these things are going to be just artifacts of a new system that we're going to very quickly become familiar with and, and not really worried about too much anymore yeah it's good to hear because I, that will certainly help with onboarding so another reservation some creators have using web 3.0 tools once they get to understand it is that some blockchains are in energy inefficient and can be bad for the environment. So what would you say to that? That's absolutely true. Some blockchains are not great. Other blockchains are much better. There's actually even blockchains that are carbon neutral. Stello is one of them, and we're not there yet, but we're going to be there. Uh, Polygon and Gnosis chain that I mentioned earlier are using proof of stake, which means that in practice, they're not consuming more energy than your, you know, your regular home PC uh, at scale. So there's no... There is no significant uh, impact when you move to these proof-of-stake chains. Uh, the big one that we are on at this point that is still proof-of-work is Ethereum mainnet. But yesterday, and we're talking about, uh, we're talking June uh, 2022 here, but yesterday they merged one of the test nets to the proof-of-stake mechanism. And goal, I think, at this point is to do the same thing for Ethereum mainnet by the end of summer, which means that after this, well, the energy consumption of Ethereum, I think, is reduced by 99.98%, which is pretty much down to, I don't want to say nothing, but less than, you know, what Google for sure runs in terms of uh, in terms of server provide search. Uh, so... If I'm listening to this now, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to try out Unlock Protocol. 
But, you know, I'm going to do it as an experiment because I have something online that's working for me already. How, how can I do it as an experiment or what would you say to me to do just to put my toe in the water to test it? Absolutely. So the first thing is, I mean, as a creator or as a, or as a fan or... As a creator, if, if, I have a, if I have a newsletter, for example, yeah. or if I have a publishing business. Absolutely. So first I would, uh, I would go to the Unlock website and kind of learn a, bit, a little bit about how things work. And then I would deploy my first smart contract, my first membership contract on a test network. So you don't need to spend real money. We're deployed already on a couple of test networks. So you can pick one of, uh, the one of your choice. And then you deploy the contract and you see, okay, this is how it behaves. And what's interesting about the test network is like they work really much like the real networks. So you can install the WordPress plugin and then hook your test network plugin, your test network lock smart contract into the plugin. We have a bunch of uh, guys on how to do this. It's actually pretty easy. So that gives you kind of confidence of how things work there. Then what you can do is maybe use, um, a couple of weeks ago, we partnered with a, a team called Raidgill to release a product called Headline. That Headline product is very much like a, a Web3 substack so that allows you to do anything you would do on Substack, but using Web3 technology. So the data is actually stored on IPFS, which I mentioned earlier. It's encrypted using lit protocol uh, and, and it's unlockable via unlock. Is this like mirror.xyz? Is it similar? It's kind of like Mirror, even though Mirror is more like Substack than it is like like Headline in that way. Like uh, Mirror is is a publishing platform like Medium, if you want, that uses some Web3 technology, but it doesn't necessarily have as much customizability that I, I want these things to have. So that would be the kind of thing that I would do if I were to try, you know, how to use Unlock uh, as a creator. Testnet, uh, we have a pretty vibrant community of people that are helping you build things and or implement things. And then once you're ready to move on to a real version, you can, again, pick one of these networks, whether it's Gnosis Chain, Polygon, Optimism, and then deploy your real lock, uh, replace it in the WordPress configuration and, and be good to go. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the guides. I'm looking at your guides page on the site and uh, you do have some documentation that walks through what you just described. And it's great to see so many use cases for Unlock Protocol. But is there anything else that you're working on at the moment for the protocol? that will be interesting to check out in a few weeks or months? Uh, absolutely. There's a couple of things that we're working on right now. One of the things that we just released actually is the automatically recurring membership. So it's a way to say, hey, my in the same way that your card is charged automatically every month once you have a Substack or a Netflix membership, here you have the same thing with the blockchain. And it's really kind of a, might sound like little, but it's actually a pretty big, significant uh, technical innovation uh, that we should a couple of weeks ago. And we're doubling down on this, adding more and more tools around this to make it really easy for creators to use that on their on their own. Some of the stuff that we're working on that we're going to ship soon, a completely refactored checkout experience. Right now, our checkout experience is good, but it has uh, too many, I'd say, inconsistencies or things that might appear to be a bit strange for non-crypto users. And we're refactoring this completely to make it really easy, much easier. And it is going to feel exactly like checking out on, you know, on a Shopify store or on an Amazon store at some point. It's just like the same steps uh, in a consistent way, allow you to then click five buttons and then get your NFT right away. So that's one of the things that we're really excited to ship uh, soon. In the second half of the year, one thing that we're going to work on a lot is everything around this cross-network membership. So as you, you know, we're on five networks and you say, what chain should I pick? Our goal is to make this really, really smooth and really, really easy so you don't actually have to worry too much about what chain you pick and how your user are going to pay uh, you on each of these chains. So that's that's one of the next things that we're going to work on uh, in the second half of the year. Oh, it sounds like there's a lot in store. So so one last question, but maybe just to, to step back from the Unlock Protocol for a second, but you, I mean, you're clearly very passionate about Web 3.0 and it's your bread and butter, your full-time business, and you're also the face of Unlock Protocol. So what I've noticed with a lot of NFT projects is some of them, you can tell who's behind it. And in other cases, it's a... It's a JPEG and it's an online avatar and a pseudonym. And it's very hard to figure out if, if this project is le- legit and so on. Legitimate, yeah. But, but I, I understand there are reasons why people use avatars and digital personas. 
But as somebody who's decided to be the face of their Web 3.0 business, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I mean, I, I'm definitely a, a Web3 fan, but I'm actually more than a Web3 fan. I'm a Web fan. Like, I do think that we're kind of a dead end in the Web2 world. Like, platforms own everything. They control the, the business model. They control the data. They control the relationship with fans. And so really, the context of Unlock, yes, it's Web3. But more important than this, it's Web. It's like going back to the initial vision of Tim Berners-Lee and, and others, which is basically building a Web around protocols rather than platforms. The reason why I'm, you know, the face and trying to be anonymous is because I do think that it's, I have nothing to hide. I do think that I'm trying to actually build something better and I should do that in the open as much as possible with with everyone who's interested. All of the stuff that we release is obviously completely open source using MIT, which means that people can just take it, run with it and maybe not even come back with uh, improvement if they've done some of these. And I do think that transparency is a critical aspect. I know there is kind of the feeling oftentimes that blockchain is, you know, used for nefarious purposes. It is used for nefarious purposes, but in practice, it's actually a pretty bad platform or, you know, pretty bad infrastructure to use for nefarious purposes because it it is all trackable. Like you can actually see the money flowing from a place to another and easily identify at some point who is doing what in ways that are really, really hard to obfuscate. So I, I think one of the values of what we're doing is actually trying to build in the open, build in, in the as open, I mean, as decentralized, but as transparent way as possible, I should say. And so in that scenario, then yes, I shouldn't be worried or hide my face uh, when, I, when I do things. Mm, I agree. I agree. Uh, so Julian, where can listeners go if they're interested in learning more about using NFTs for their online business? Yeah, unlock-protocol.com is the first place. And then you can find links to social networks from there because we are on social networks. I'd say the first step is to unlock the membership to our Discord server. So we have a little community of, I mean, little growing community of, of people that are building on top of Unlock. It's hosted on Discord right now. You should definitely join it and come and ask questions. Uh, we have a, a set of people that are here to help. Thank you, Julian. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or sharing the show on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. More reviews, more ratings and more shares will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. And did you know for just a couple of dollars a month, you could become a Patreon for the show? Visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes. Your support will help me record, produce and publish more episodes each month. And if you become a Patreon, I'll give you my writing books, discounts on writing software and on my writing courses. Thank you.